Well, good morning. My name is Angela Reese. I'm one of the pastors here. And after the 8 o'clock service today, somebody said to me, you escaped the screens. And I was like, yeah, busted out. So I'm here with you this morning, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, this fall, my husband and I will celebrate our 17th wedding anniversary. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We got married in 2006 and moved into our first apartment together. It was a small place next to a tattoo parlor, but across the street from Wawa, which was pretty great. Anybody fan of Wawa in here? Yeah, good, yes, they had coffee. It's like a convenience store, you know, as we had coffee and bagels at all hours of the day and night. It was wonderful. But um, when we... Uh, when we moved in, right, our living room was very tiny. It's like what we could afford. It was super tiny. It was only able to hold our uh, couch, our TV, and, and an Ikea bookshelf, okay? And, and admittedly, that bookshelf was really large. It took up an entire wall, and it was filled with all of my husband's books, okay? And I say his books because they're all the books that he brought into our marriage, right? And they're really why I married him, you know? I mean... He was like, I will give you my love. And I was like, and your books? And he was like, and my books, you know? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was really his ability to microwave pretty much anything that sealed the deal. <laughs> when we moved into our apartment, okay, it was during a busy season of life, and we wanted to unpack as quickly as possible. So we threw just all the books on the bookshelf, and um, after a couple of months, the visual disorganization of that shelf in such a tiny space drove me bonkers. And so one day, I decided to take all the books off the shelf and organize them according to color so that it was more cohesive and uh, just pretty, right? Just pretty. Um, which provided an opportunity for me to really look at all of the books and discover some that I hadn't noticed before. One that captured my attention was a book about the artist Akiana Kramirek. This is what the cover looks like. Um, I wanted you to see it because there is a, a juxtaposition happening here, right? I can see some of your faces. You're like, what? And we see a massive image of Jesus that immediately pulled me in, right? Because I want to see Jesus. I desire to see his face in all depictions. And, and so... Um, I, I was immediately drawn. And then we see this girl, right, holding a paintbrush, indicating that she is the creator of that amazing piece of art, right? But children don't normally paint like that, you know? Uh, it takes years of practice and study and more practice to achieve that level of artistic skill, if ever, right? And so I was intrigued. So I sat down on my tiny living room floor, surrounded by piles of books, because I'm like, what project, you know? And I read her story. And I learned that Akiana didn't grow up going to church, okay? Her family didn't uh, talk about God. They didn't believe, about, they didn't believe anything about God. Um, but at the age of four, this little girl began to have colorful dreams and visions of heaven, and of Jesus, and of God's love, right? And she started to tell her parents about them, but they weren't able to understand what she was saying. You know, she, she said that um, she didn't know that she 
was able to communicate clearly what she was experiencing, right? Um, she didn't know how to describe what she was seeing, and so at the age of four, she began drawing it. So that to help them know what she was, what she was experiencing, she began drawing. And as best she could, right, she drew um, on walls and on tables, everywhere she could, pictures of angels and heaven. And by the age of eight, she became so gifted that she painted this picture of Jesus. She titled it Prince of Peace, okay? And she's been interviewed many times about this painting. It's become the most famous image of Jesus in the world. And her hope is that it will draw people in in the way Jesus desires to draw us in. She painted the eyes so that as you look upon him, you will feel like he is speaking directly to you in a very deep and intimate way, spirit unto spirit. And if you look at his face, you'll notice that one side is lighter than the other. Right? She, she wanted everyone to know that um, the, the light side of his face represents truth and the dark side represents the suffering of the world. But if you notice, she painted light in his eye on the dark side of his face to represent his presence in our suffering. She wanted everyone to know that he will always be with us, that he will never leave us. And, and he wants us to have hope and peace through every ache and pain we experience in this world and the courage to live in love and not fear. She was eight years old. And that's what she was trying to communicate through this painting because of her experiences with Jesus, right? She spent time with Jesus. She knew him. Now, call me gullible if you want to, but I believe her story. I am captivated by her story. And Jesus tells us in Matthew that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. And our children are often very pure in heart. They have experiences and an understanding of Jesus that draws us adults closer to him, right? If we're willing, if we're willing to let them lead us, they will draw us closer, but we're not always willing. There were some people, Christians, that despised Akiana's painting, okay? They, they called it blasphemous and wanted to burn it. They wanted to destroy it. Akiana's agent actually stole it from her and held it for ransom. Her family was eventually able to get it back, but then another agent sold it without their permission. And the person who bought it just wanted to keep it so he could hide it under a stairwell, so it was in the dark for many years. And when he passed away, his family didn't know what to do with it. It was a burden to them. So they just put it in a storage room and left it there for many more years. And then one day, it reappeared on the market. After 16 years, right? After 16 years, it suddenly appeared on the market. A very filthy, a wealthy family purchased it, and they invited Akiana to come see it. And when she laid eyes on it for the first time since she was nine years old, she became overwhelmed. And she dropped down to her knees in front of the painting, and she just covered her face as she wept. It was a really special moment for her. And you can see this on her YouTube channel. I mean, it's all out there. And my question is, why? 
You know, Jacob said last week that we ask that question a lot, and it's true, I do. Why? Why was this particular painting, because there are many of Jesus, right? Why was this one the cause of so much deception and angst? The Apostle Paul, who also had deep personal encounters with Jesus and visions of heaven, right, tells us that we are unable to see or understand spiritual things clearly in this world. He says, for now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then, in the future, we shall see face to face. We shall see Jesus face to face. But for now, he says, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, for this to make sense, we, we need to keep in mind that mirrors during that time in history were not like the mirrors we have today, okay? We look in a mirror and we see our reflection perfectly, right? And we also have these amazing things called magnification mirrors, right? What a gift they are, you know? I just bought a new one and believe me, I know things fully now, you know? More fully than I want to know, but there is no going back. There's no going back. Mirrors in their day were made of bronze or brass. So imagine looking into that, right? Your reflection would be um, really dark and and very blurry, right? It's why some translations say, for now we see through a glass dimly or darkly. Some say through a fog. All of which means we don't have a clear understanding of spiritual things in this world. There is a miracle story in the Gospel of Mark that highlights this truth, okay? Mark tells us, they, Jesus, and his disciples came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, this is the only miracle in the Bible where Jesus didn't fully heal a person instantly, okay? And we know that he can do it. We know that he has the ability to heal with one touch, with one word, with one thought, right? We know that he can do that. And, and I just want to be clear about this. Like, when Jesus touched this man for the first time, he did indeed heal him, okay? He was no longer blind. His eyes were open to the kingdom of God, and he looked up, He was able to see and see truly, but not clearly, okay? His vision was a lot like a baby trying to make shapes and colors, right? It's kind of blurry. It was fuzzy. He saw people, but they looked like trees walking around. You know, when I read that, I thought, well, maybe, maybe it was because he had Jesus' spit in his eyes. You know? Maybe. I don't know. What we do know is that what he was seeing didn't make sense to him. It's like when we're first given the grace to 
Um, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead and our eyes are open to a, a spiritual reality and we feel that reality within us. We feel the Holy Spirit stirring within us, but we have a hazy view of, of biblical truth and the wisdom of God, right? It doesn't all make sense to us quite yet. All the dots don't fit together quite yet. And that's because God's truth is revealed to us over time. But Paul tells us that we should expect, we should expect our knowledge and wisdom to be this way, imperfect and incomplete until we see Jesus face to face. And that doesn't mean that we won't know Jesus intimately on this earth. We will. And it doesn't mean that we won't receive healing or know his truth, because we will. It doesn't mean that we won't know the deep wisdom of God, because God delights in giving us wisdom if we ask for it. It doesn't mean that we won't know the deep love of God, because we will. It just means that we can't know these things in full on this earth. And I love something that Charles Spurgeon said about this. Okay, he said, Probably the spiritual sight will never be in absolute perfectness bestowed upon us till we enter into the light for which the spiritual state is intended. Namely, the glory of that place where they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. We can't have it because it's not intended for this place. We wouldn't be able to make sense of it outside of the glory of heaven. So for now, heaven and earth overlap, right? Like a Venn diagram, like two circles coming together, okay? And that's possible because of Jesus, right? The early Christians believed that Jesus had become the very place or person where heaven and earth met. Right? And now, because of his life, death, and resurrection, that merge point is now within us. It's within each of us. We get to experience and bring forth, through our words and our actions, pieces of God's kingdom on earth. Right? As we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? We pray that prayer so as we seek to do God's will with our lives and, and we walk in the way of Jesus, we will see glimpses of that eternal glory. We will understand the kingdom of heaven in a deeper, truer way because heaven is breaking through. It is breaking through. But we are living in an in-between time. Okay, in between when Jesus vanished into the clouds when he ascended into heaven and when he will return back to earth with the clouds because he is coming back. Right? He is coming back. Revelation tells us, look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Every eye, not just Christians. Right? Even those who pierced him. All the peoples on earth will mourn him, mourn because of him, right? We will see him, and we are going to mourn our rejection of him. We are going to mourn all of what we didn't understand. And that mourning, right, that mourning will open the way for repentance and acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah and Lamb of God, right? And to that we say, 
so shall it be. Amen. Right? Amen. He is coming. When we left off in our miracle story, the man's vision was blurry. So, So Jesus touched the man's eyes a second time and completely healed him. Jesus opened his eyes wider, light flooded in, and he was able to look upon the face of Jesus and see everything clearly. Okay, this is our future. Right? When Jesus comes back, these two circles of heaven and earth, they're going to be fully merged together. And in the new heaven and the new earth, we will be fully healed. Our eyes will be flooded with the light of Jesus, and we will see his face. We will see his face. And all the eternal realities that are currently invisible to us, we will know them fully. And God will be fully with us. Fully with us. Revelation tells us, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Now among the people. I just love that. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The two will be made one again. And God will be with us, just like God always intended, right? Just like God has always desired for it to be. But for now, we walk by faith. And I just want to say that this truth should humble us. It should humble us, because I think we can all look back on our lives and identify moments where we thought we had things all figured out, right? We had all the answers. They were as simple as as black and white, And I do believe that the Bible teaches us uh, the truth of God that we need to to shape our lives by. But we also journey through life, right, with new experiences and have our eyes open to to deeper truth and insights that we didn't have before. And that should motivate us to walk humbly and to extend grace to one another, right? Grace Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Right? When we recognize that grace has been extended to us for all the things we didn't know. Right? Otherwise, we do things like steal paintings and hide them away because they threaten our understanding of faith. Or we think we need to be the protectors and keepers of Jesus, so we threaten to do harm to the things and the people we think are threatening him and his legacy. Sometimes that comes across as simply as like, being unkind to someone who looks different or believes something different than we do. When really the best thing, the best thing we can do to honor Jesus is love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. Because there is one thing we can be sure of, right? Jesus will always persist in love. Always. Love is how heaven breaks into our world. It's it's what transcends both heaven and earth. And Jesus will never stop pursuing us with his love, not ever. 
My good friend Rachel Matone, who works here at the church in, in Providence Kids and in Outreach, shared a story with me once about her grandma, Sonia. Okay. She said when Sonia was nearing the end of her life, she spent a lot of time sleeping, which is really normal. But in her waking moments, she was persistent in asking for Rachel's dad to come visit her, and he did. And when she got there, I mean, he... When he got there, she was sure to tell him that he was late, and she had been waiting on him, right? Because she had a question for him. Rachel said she was really sassy. <laughs> but she had a question for him, and it was a big one. She wanted to know if, if he believed in God. She said, because a man was here talking to, her, talking to me about heaven. And the thing is, nobody else had been there to visit her. No other man came to see her. And Rachel believes that an angel was there talking with her about heaven and about God. Or maybe it was Jesus. Right? Maybe it was Jesus himself that was there with her. Rachel's grandparents didn't go to church. They may not have known who Jesus was. But what we do know is that she was being pursued with love even at the very end of her life. She was being pursued with love. So Rachel's dad told her about God and about heaven and about Jesus. And after their conversation, Sonia fell asleep and passed away later that day. And Rachel believes that when she saw Jesus' face as she entered heaven, that she knew exactly who he was as they embraced. No more questions, right? She didn't have to have any more questions. At that point, we need no more painting, no more imagination, right? She saw him perfectly, and she knew him fully. She knew him fully. And I think it's safe to say that we all wonder what that day will be like, right, for ourselves or for the people that we love. We wonder. And as much as we don't understand the book of Revelation or maybe are a little scared by it, I think it's such a kindness of God to try and prepare us for our future home, because that's what it is, our future home. John, who is the author of Revelation, was given uh, visions of heaven to share with us. And he tells us that um, the angel showed him the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, okay, reminding us that life and wholeness come from God. They flow from God. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. They will bring peace to all the nations, right? In heaven there will be peace. No longer will there be any curse, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, meaning God will have made us fully his own. There will be no more night. There will not need, there, there will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen.